0: How can you not be romantic about baseball? We're gonna high drive to left! This baby's
1: way back! It is out of here! I don't believe what I just saw! Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird! And it bounces back into fair territory! Oh, I gotta I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. RF is in the jackpot now! You're listening
0: to Booze and Baseball.
1: There's 50 feet of crap,
0: and then there's us. Baseball First podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely
1: idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop in money That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one. Today's secret ingredient is. I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy, scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-hmm. With Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat. Sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. Derek, let's just get right into our drinks here as we are on our August 23rd edition. Uh, Baseball is slowly winding down to the postseason. Do you have a fall drink in mind here or what are we drinking today?
0: So I I don't know if this is specifically fall, but I had this for the first time um, a summer ago or whatever summer I ended up going to Germany. And I've seen it called a couple things, a couple different places. I've heard Hefeweizen, or I'm sorry, I've I've heard Hefe Cola. I've heard Cola and I've heard Coca Weizen. is the one that I had. What it is, this sounds weird. So I've got a Hefeweizen. This is Casey Beer Company, which um, does really good German beers in the Kansas City area. Yeah. So I'm going to fill this up on the uh, the pint glass about halfway, maybe a little bit more. It's kind of a flavor to taste, whether you'd like more of the Hefeweizen or the Coca-Cola. Um, I like a little bit more Hefeweizen, but typically it's about a 50-50 split. So I've got the Coca-Cola. This is just whatever generic. I made a cool sound. Um, okay. And perfectly filled oh, that's right pretty. to the top. Um, so it is half Coca-Cola, half half It sounds ridiculous. It sounds weird, but I'm telling you, it is refreshing. It is del- delicious. Give it a try.
1: It looks good. It's so does the Coca-Cola flavor, like does it balance it out or like, does it take more power over it? Like, I wonder if the Coca-Cola overpowers it.
0: No. And that's where the uh, kind of seasoning to taste thing happens. Like if you want less Coke, you can do that too. Um, But I'm telling you, it it balances it very nice. You get kind of the, I always think Hefeweizen has a bit of like a kind of banana flavor to it. A little bit of that at the end, you still get that kind of flavor with the Coca-Cola and some of the, it it adds a little more bubbles and, um, you know, I don't know. I I really like it. I think it's a refreshing drink. It's not something that I'm going to drink like multiple of because the Coca-Cola is going to really sit in your stomach, but you know, one on a hot day, it's been like 130 heat index here and like 105 with humidity. So this is a, this is a great drink for the summer.
1: This weather has been terrible on this part of the country, uh, from Derek, where Derek's at in Kansas, uh, over here to Kentucky. Uh, Yeah. We've got, all over the hundreds here this week. And uh, so as we transition to fall, naturally got to have one more summery drink before. So um, I found the, what I consider, and I've seen it kind of named multiple things. I call it the orange peach passion. And uh, essentially it's not a hard drink to make. And uh, I would already tell you and do it in front of you, but it's essentially a blended drink so here's the secret if you want to make a sneaky sneaky drink at the end of summer here frozen fruit is the simplest thing because it traps a lot of the the hard liquor that you may be using in this case i used vodka i used bacardi rum and then i also used a couple of mike's hard lemonades and then orange peach, mango juice that is all you need frozen fruit blended all together and you get this beauty. And I'm telling you, Derek, it, it totally traps the alcohol. I mean, you you can barely taste it. Um, it's not terribly sweet, and uh it's more of just since it's blended, it's more of a good summer drink, I would say. And um, you know, I'm gonna miss these summer days for the drinks. I'm not gonna miss it for high school football or college football season by any means, is what Derek and I are having to deal with right now, uh, because that heat sucks. But this is a pretty good one. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to cheers to something where also kind of the idea of over the hill or time passing on, um, we're going to look back at one particular player here that I think deserves some recognition, and that's cheers to Paul DeYoung. Because what <laughs> in the world? What a, what a weird turnaround it's been for him over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, he gets cut from the Toronto Blue Jays. He does not do well. And uh, here he is now with your San Francisco Giants, Derek, and he's actually producing. So cheers to Paul DeYoung. Yeah, I'll, I'll
0: cheers to that. I mean, uh, the Giants are on a uh, rough skid right now, and it's making their lack of moves at the trade deadline look even dumber than they already were to begin with. Paul DeYoung was a guy, though, that they were rumored to be, like, interested in. So I guess it kind of worked out. They got him for free uh, a little bit. But, yeah, man, after he struggled, with blue- the thing is, the the Giants, the WRC plus they've received from the uh, uh, shortstop position offensively, it was like a low 50s before Paul young arrived. If Paul Young is just an MLB average player, which prior to his stint in Toronto, he pretty much was, like, you know, a round leak average with his bat. If he's just that, that is a huge improvement for the Giants. So I'm, I'm game for it.
1: Already clutch hits. Already clutch hits for you guys. And, uh, you know, he's... I mean, it's crazy what happens. Sometimes uh senior you just, you know, some places don't fit a player personally. Uh, In my opinion, I think that he may not, I don't know. I don't know if he enjoyed the concept of going to Toronto as a backup, right? Like he was basically a, a fill-in for Boba Shet while he was injured. So I don't know if there was added pressure there. There was a possibility of that. Um, He's going to a different league, of course, being with St. Louis for as long as he was in. I mean, these are new pitchers that he was facing. Coming back to the National League, he plays in a more familiar ballpark and in probably a much less pressure situation, especially after what had happened to him. I think that there's going to be a little bit more room for success for him out there in San Francisco. And, hey, you know what? I know the Giants haven't been looking too great lately, but there's still a lot of time. That wild card is wide open right now. So, um, you know, you can't count the chickens before they hatch. You can't cross somebody off until the final game is played. So, We'll see what happens with that. But what we do want to talk about today, this is a fantasy baseball-centric show that we got going here today. Uh, Derek and I are going to talk about how our personal fantasy teams have looked uh, this year and what we're doing uh, as we transition to next year for our Keeper League. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about a few players that have basically, at this point, stamped their name into the fantasy books as players that you should be owning. If you don't already own them, if they're free agents, you jump at them now. And then players that have not shown, uh, at least to this point, what we expected they would at the start of the year. Players that have underperformed, uh, players that didn't live up to expectations, and yes, there is a month left, but overall, the production has not been quite there. So, before we get started on that, though, we have our chug and look back at its stat. Today is September the twenty, or actually today is August the 23rd, um, and uh, Derek, I just want to take a look at this real quickly, too, because... My brain is not working today. And I <laughs> I went straight to September because I got up at 6 a.m. So naturally, we're still going to use this anyways. I don't even care. Uh, we are going to take a look back at what is, at this point in time, uh, the Yankees and the Mets, they are not looking good right now. They're looking like they're going to miss the playoffs. And way back when, it seemed like the Yankees or the Mets or New York team in general, like the Giants or the Dodgers, they were going to be in the playoffs no matter what. And so back in 1957, you saw that circuit come to a close. This was on September the 23rd of 1957, but the Braves would clinch the National League pennant. They would defeat the St. Louis Cardinals 4-2, to and that was thanks to Hank Aaron, 11th inning home run. It was the first time since 1950 that the New York team hadn't finished their first time in the senior circuit. If you look at it right now, though, the Yankees and the Mets, they haven't both cons- at the same time missed the playoffs since 2014. And it looks like now we may be seeing that happen.
0: Nine game losing streak uh, for the Yankees right now. First time they've had a losing streak that bad in uh, I think it's been since like 1982 that the Yankees have lost this many games in a row. So, yeah, man, it's a struggle. And uh, when when things like this happen at a big market in New York, like usually there are vast changes. We saw vast changes for the Mets during the trade deadline. I'm kind of expecting a big offseason uh, of shifts, whether it's. You know, managers or front office people losing their job, gaining their jobs, some roster shifts with uh, what ends up happening with the Yankees. The Yankees this year,
1: I, the Mets are the interesting one to me right now too, because there are reports coming out about Pete Alonso and the fact that they were actually listening to offers. Um, basically, there are rumors out there that state that the Brewers two through five prospects they were all on the table there uh, to go and reel in Pete Alonso, which. That says two things to me. Number one, wow, the Brewers were actually trying to buy somebody uh, at the deadline, which you don't see that often from them. Uh, But two, more importantly, the Mets were listening in on Pete Alonso. So what what does that say about the future of this organization?
0: We go back to the Max Scherzer comments, how he said they're probably not going to be contending this next year. They're probably not going to spend a ton of money this Mm -hmm. offseason. Now, I do think those comments from Steve Cohen – um, I, I think they preclude anybody but Shohei Otani. Like, he'll probably still go all out on Shohei Otani. And if that's where he has to go, that's, you know, th- then they readjust from there. But outside of that, yeah, it sounds like the plan would be 2025 Um, when some of your young guys now, maybe Vientos, Beatty, like guys like that can can be uh, more kind of in their prime and, and ready to go as pro guys. Maybe some of these prospects you traded for by then would have some comfortable footing in the MLB. And that's the thing with Pete Alonso, like, He's still young enough. He's like 28 years old that if you're still competing for twenty he'll be 30 years old. You'll still be fine with him as a hitter. So I can understand the Mets uh, not taking necessarily. And I think that's what it's indicative of me that it's it's not. not, Yeah, no, I was just going to say that it's, it's not like a super long-term thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was a late addition to the MLB too. I mean, he was, he was an older player uh, coming up through the Mets system. So I think that that's something to to keep in mind is that, you know, it was interesting. They were listening to offers. Um, I mean, I guess as a team, you kind of have to do your own due diligence, but thought that was kind of interesting that those reports were coming out. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but definitely kind of two different plans. I think for the Yankees and Mets, the Yankees, they're expected to compete every year. The Mets are just making it clear that that's not happening this year. That's not happening next year. Uh, And for them, hopefully the year after Uh, as for competition, Derek, What a transition this is to our Fantasy Baseball League. Derek and I are in a 10-team keeper Fantasy Baseball League. And needless to say, uh, our teams are in very different paths and weird paths. Um, And so we're just going to start from the top here. The topic that we're going to call this is I'm allowed to be an alcoholic because that's what Fantasy Baseball does to us. Uh, We are uh, (laughs) – I think there are plenty of days that I just want to drink after my team just lays a fat one or there's a week where it blows up and the next week it's completely inconsistent. I feel like that's been a storyline for a lot of us this year. Um, so we're going to start with you, Derek, first of all, because at this point in time, your team and our league is rebuilding. That's kind of the path you're taking. What What is the plan? What does that look like for you if you're in a keeper league trying to rebuild? What what are you trying to do? Who are you aiming for? What What is kind of the protocol and, and the process of this?
0: Yeah, I mean I I feel like my team is is in a place where I'm not in like a full rebuild from the standpoint of, you know, tear it to the to the nuts and bolts because I still do have like Julio Rodriguez and Corbin Carroll that I'm cool building around those guys for the future and they're up right now, right? So it's it's trying to like cross between ideally you're kind of playing for 2025. Like I'm I'm not going out too far into like 2026, 2027. Uh, but you're still trying to be competitive in 2024 while, you know, maybe getting rid of some guys that may be more like win now guys or win for this year and, and next year. Um, or we're just kind of improving. I, I mean, we're going to have a, an interesting thing in our league where we're going to have an expansion draft this this offseason. That's going to play into a lot of the trades in terms of, you know, protecting guys. What's the number? Are you trying to improve your keepers? Are you trying to build some depth for based on guys that are going to be taken away from you? So it's it's kind of just balancing. Um, a lot of different things, keeping an eye on the numbers and, and some of the keeper people who, you know, this would be my guy here. This would be my guy there. This would be what happened if I, I trade this guy, um, putting more value into draft picks. And um, I will say, I'm I'm happy that I I'm, have a bunch of first round picks this year in a year where I think it's a really good draft. And so uh, I guess I kind of picked it ended up having a good year to to kind of end up this, this poor and, and for the season not to go the way I wanted, but um, I, I do think that there is enough there on my team that I'm not trying to get rid of like everything necessarily. And I still am trying to stay competitive, which isn't the overall rebuild for everyone. We'll get to another team here in our league, but like there are different levels of rebuild that you should be having and, you know, getting younger, even if it's a few years, getting some prospects thrown your way, making small trades just to improve little draft picks or little nuggets here, or there that you can make. That's kind of how I've been approaching it.
1: There's one particular thing that I want to talk about with your team, and it's a trade that you made this week because I think the hardest part about a rebuild is when you have to sell off arguably your best player, but for a future cause that's you know right there in front of you that, that clearly, as you mentioned, can give you a chance to compete now and in the future. And so uh, going through a trade that Derek had made this past week, uh, he had Aaron Judge on his team. Um, he trades Aaron Judge, Xavier Isaac, prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays, and Kyle Manzardo, who once was a Tampa Bay Ray prospect, was traded to Cleveland. So, Derek trades those three to the opposing team, uh, and he, in turn, he gets Samuel Bassalo, Hunter Green, Randy Rosarena, Jordan Montgomery... And what I would guess is probably the big desirable piece out of this, Junior Caminero, the top prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays. Derek, kind of take me through your reasoning behind this trade.
0: Yeah, so I mean, because of the expansion draft, we're basically, we have rosters with 10 NA spots on it we're only going to be allowed to, to protect five of them so you're really going for high levels of guys and right now Kyle Manzardo was was my number six guy I, I had some other guys that were in front of him like you know, Jackson Holiday, Kate Horton um, and a couple other guys that uh ended up that I wouldn't have been able to protect him anyway so at that point I was able to same with Xavier Isaac like he was he was on the bottom end of my top 10 so uh, those are basically filler players for me I didn't want to trade Aaron Judge but again going back if my timeline now has become 2025 we look at 2025, Aaron Judge is going to be 33. He has definitely dealt with a lot of injuries over the course of his career. When you're a body that big, you tend to break down a little bit sooner. That stuff scared me a little bit. Um, I really like the stuff numbers of, of Hunter Green. We'll see if he can ever put it together fully. Uh, but yeah, Junior Caminero, it's it's a big risk when you trade away a player like Judge and, and the centerpiece of the trade is a prospect because who's to say that Junior, Cam- Junior Caminero doesn't come up and do what Jordan Walker did for me this year, which was – you know, he kind of below average fine season. We'll see if he ends up breaking out next year and another year after that. Um, But you know, that then I would feel a little bit worse about Caminero versus if he hits the ground running more like a Corbin Carroll or Julio Rodriguez, then I'm going to feel better about it. So um yeah, just, just trying to get younger, just trying to, you know, swing for the fences with, with high possible or, or potential type of guys. And you just kind of hope that you can hit on on one or two of them you know hope that hunter green can turn into i don't know a top 50 player or hope that junior Camanero can turn into a top 30 player and uh you know you're you're kind of uh just trying to play the odds game and throw as many darts as you can and just hope that
1: some of them turn out good you hope you get a couple of Aaron judges right <laughs> the the uh, the transition goes from that to to my team because I started this year pretty much in a rebuild. Um, When I went into this league, I didn't have any sort of anticipation of, you know, I'm going to make the playoffs. I'm going to make a push. I I basically sold off all of my older players. I had Jose Ramirez. I had Garrett Cole. uh, I had Byron Buxton, who now at this point, it seems smart that I dealt him at the time I did because Buxton has been doing what he does best, which is injured and on the shelf. But, um, you know, at the start of the year, Buxton had still quite a bit of value or enough value that. I had to really consider that. I had a couple other pieces as well that I had to consider. Um, You know, a year and a half ago, I believe it was, I traded Mike Trout. And in that trade, I got Jose Ramirez. Um, So needless to say, it's kind of like that working down to, okay, when am I going to kind of turn this thing around to get new younger prospects? Well, this year, I I brought in younger guys. I mean, that's just kind of what I did. And so I have uh, practically the whole Reds team, I feel like. I have ellie de la cruz matt McLean. i had a good pickup of spencer steer so i was happy about that uh gunner henderson has been the one that i'm the happiest about because i think that there's really starting to be a, a corner that he's turning there um he's showing signs that he can be a superstar i i actually made a trade for him a year ago where i dished off trevor story for gunner henderson and somebody in our league said what are you doing why 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 would you make that dumb of a trade and this at the time was when gunner henderson was ranked like as the 65th prospect, but I was seeing how he was hitting in triple a or in double a, I believe it was um, at that time. And uh, just kind of scouting him out early on and jumping the gun before, you know, the prospect ranking update came out and all of a sudden his value just shoots up. Right. So uh, I think the best thing and, and with Derek kind of going on this rebuild, um, he's probably going to take a similar path to what I did here, which is you kind of have to just trust your instincts. You have to trust the pieces that you're going after after. And, uh, more importantly, the young pieces that you have, you can't sell them off immediately. Right? Like I've had so many offers for LA de la Cruz, so many offers for Gunner Henderson that were tempting, but do you sit there and you dish them? And then, you know, you regret it a year and a half later. Like, why did I dish that player for a guy that, you know, is probably towards the back end of their career. Right. And so, um, like Christian Yelich was brought up a ton. Uh, I just all over the place. I I got Yelich offers yet left and right here with these guys. And um, I think one that I didn't do well with is Xander Bogarts because I kind of wanted to dish his Bogarts off as soon as possible. And I just kept on kind of waiting, waiting, thinking that maybe he could turn a corner and he just hasn't done that. And so uh, my team now at this point, though, I've been kind of lucky in some ways. I've also matched up well with managers were just match to match. uh, Even though my team hasn't been particularly great um, either their team hasn't stepped up when I face them, or even if they have uh, you just have to pull out the cards of like streaming the right pitchers or anything like that, that allows you to match up head to head Uh, in a roto league. I'd be in like dead last right now. Like I, I in some way, shape or form, especially with the start of the year that I had uh, I don't know how I got back into the position that I was in, but uh, I think good streams, solid pickups late in the season, and kind of patience with my team for as bad as they were in the first half. Cause I was in dead last for half this season and somehow I'm a game over 500. Now uh, I think patience with the young guys is really what I learned this year. Um, and going into this final month, I, I mean, we have our trade deadline this week. I don't have any intention of trading any of my young superstar guys. Like I would have no reason to do that or potential superstar. I should say um, there's no reason to do that. Like in a keeper league, especially if your window's not this year, like, play it like how the Reds are doing this year, I guess, and just kind of be happy where you're at and hope that the next year is when the year is that you, you can actually compete. That's kind of where I'm at at the process. Yeah,
0: I think that's fair. Um, looking back for me, I I, I don't know. There, there are parts of me that wish I, I would have pushed Chips in even more to a certain extent in, in years past. Past, but I don't know. There, there were a lot of trades that I did make with pushing chips in. Like I remember last year, I had Aussie Albies, and and I ended up being the two seed last year. He goes on the IL, so I was like, you know what, I want to make a win now move. I traded him for less than his worth was from a dynasty perspective, but it was going to try to help me win now, and it didn't work out. So you have to be comfortable when to know, you know, when to buy, when to make that striking move. I think you're right in your position yeah, probably don't make that big move just yet. But maybe in another year, you'll be in that position to make that move. And it's it's kind of a plus minus. You have to be willing to put the chips in and basically say, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just reload in a couple of years. And uh, that's unfortunate. Sometimes that's how the rotation works, but um, it's just something you got to kind of deal with. It's, it's hard to be, you know, a top three or top four team each and every year for years and years and years. Like eventually, usually you're going to have to reset it at some point because you're going to make a trade that doesn't go your way. You're going to try to you know, push the chips in and it's not going to work out your way, or you're going to trade a young prospect who turns out to be a star to get a win. Now player who's 32 and he helps you for a year, but then it doesn't help you after that. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, and the more I've done this with fantasy baseball, the more I've tried to realize this is supposed to be having fun. Sure. You'll play for, you know, different things with your friends, but the whole point of it is to have fun. So, you know, just, just enjoy it. Try to compete. Have, have the most fun you can. Whether you're having the most fun is making trades, whether it's setting your lineup and figuring out who's the best matchup here or there in a day-to-day lineup type of league, or if it is, you know, just winning at the highest level and figuring out a way to do that. Just just have fun with it any way you are.
1: Well, we're going to, our, our last part of this segment, we're going to call it What a Shame," because in our league, we have a, a manager that, uh, do I call him a manager, Derek, or do I call him a uh, I'm going to let my roster set itself? I, I don't really know how I even want to explain it. <laughs> um, I
0: mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah, uh, Shane, Shane is everybody has in, in a lot of their leagues. They have that, that one manager who isn't as active as other people is a good way to put it. But, you know, more credit to Shane. He won the championship a few years ago. So, yeah, uh, I guess that kind of answers some of the questions.
1: Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, when you look at a way to rebuild, uh, now that Derek's doing it and I kind of did it already, here's a way to probably not do it. Um, <laughs> just to put it simply, um, I'm just going to read a couple of these names on this team. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, you got Jose Altuve, Kyle Schwarber, Whit Merrifield, George Springer, John Carlos Stanton, and uh, J.D. Martinez, Carlos Correa. We'll throw those names out as offensive players. And then for pitchers, um, there's really not a lot, but Zach Wheeler is really the only name of interest. These are all older players that still offer, I would say, value for at least a year, right? At least. You probably get about a year of value, maybe a little more, depending on the player to player. Jose Altuve, Goldschmidt, I think you probably get a little more. Um, obviously it's case to case basis, but overall the general names that I read there, you get about a year value. Um, and they're on the older side, they're on the opposite side of 30. And in Shane's case, he's in last place. He is unwilling basically to negotiate on all cause. And, um, he just believes that his team's going to be fine in, in the near future. And, uh, with this strategy, Derek, wh- what, what, <laughs> What exactly is the takeaway? I mean, doesn't this burn you in the long run? I would think so. Cause it's funny because Shane has been in, in a
0: similar position before he's, he's been toward the bottom. He's finished last in our league one time. And uh, I, I remember one of the years he was out of the playoffs. He actually made a trade with me. And this is, this goes back to me having a year where I tried to push in the chips and, and it didn't really work out in my favor, but you're going for it. So, you know, you have fun with it and you, you try to win when you're good. I traded him Boba Shett when he was a prospect for it was like Zach Granke and I'm trying to remember who Zach Granke was pitching for at the time I I don't even remember um but again this that gives you a timeline when Bichette was a prospect I don't know 2019 2020 something like that um and I got Zach Granke and Charlie Morton and I don't know some other pitcher like help me win now for Bob Bichette and clearly that move has favored him in the long term like it hasn't even been close you know what I mean um And that, I would think, would have almost been a teaching tool for him. Like, hey, when I'm out of it, I can get some good prospects or some good young players that are going to help build my next core for some of these old players. So, yeah, you're right. Like, if you wanted to hold on to Paul Goldschmidt, I probably wouldn't if I was in his case, even though he, you know, like you said, does have that type of profile that he should last for a while. But still, he's like 35 years old. I'd probably trade him. But I can understand. To your point, like Paul Goldschmidt, would it be crazy if he's still raking in 2025? No, it wouldn't. But like JD Martinez, you got to get rid of him. Zach Wheeler, pitchers tend to, you know, they can they can fall apart rather easily. And uh, Wheeler's still been really good this year. You would probably get a great price for him. Or being willing to accept times when somebody's willing to overpay you for a player just for the short-term win. It, it doesn't feel like
1: uh, maybe the flexibility
0: is there, but, you know, more power to Shane. He does what he wants to do.
1: We'll uh, we'll check back in with Shane's team in, uh in a year from now, and we'll see how his strategy of doing absolutely nothing uh, goes for him. So I, I'm going to make the prediction that unless he makes some last second decision, our, our trade deadline is on Thursday uh, during the week of recording. I don't expect this to go particularly well, um, but we'll see. We'll see if anybody's going to pull it off somehow it's Shane, because as Derek mentioned, he somehow won our league uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, we actually did a redraft-only league uh, back in 2020, and while that year was obviously really unpredictable, Shane won that, too. So, I mean, uh, maybe there's a method to his madness, which is I don't understand it, but sure, it's just Shane being Shane. So uh, if Shane's listening to this, we love you, buddy. But uh, yeah, I still don't understand what you're doing. Um, anyways, <laughs> moving on from our team specifically, we're quickly going to look over these players. We're going to quickly say Welcome to the bar or keep away from the bar. Essentially, I'm going to give this guy a drink uh, because I think they're going to stay or they, uh, they can get kicked out of the bar because they don't belong. And uh, basically, there are a bunch of new players you're going to see popping up during your waiver ads or, uh, you know, transaction trends and seeing players getting added left and right because they're hitting really well, they're producing well, and here are a list of some of these players and Derek and I are going to quickly go over whether they're going to be at the bar or whether they're going to leave the bar real quickly. So we're going to start with Kerry Carpenter. Derek, is he welcome to the bar? Is he getting a drink at the bar, or is he leaving the bar quickly?
0: Uh, getting getting a drink at the bar. Um, I am very intrigued by Kerry Carpenter. The The power numbers are really good for him so far. Uh, that's kind of been the case for him across the, the minors. A little worried about if the average can kind of keep to it, but I think there's a lot of playing time to be had with that Tigers lineup and with that team. And I am very intrigued by where the power can take.
1: him. Here's another prospect here. It's, uh, it's Zach Geloff and, uh, he's a second baseman for the Oakland A's. Is he entering the bar? Welcome to the bar. Or is he leaving the bar?
0: This is a tough one based on his production right now. And the fact that he's young, he's a rookie and everything. It should be staying at the bar. I'm very hesitant here. I'm very hesitant. I think he profiles. You look at some of the projections from like Steamer and uh, the Bad X. Has him closer to being like a 230 hitter right now. I think he's hitting a little bit above his, his worth to this point. I view him more as as that typical guy who like, uh, I don't know, I guess you could go back to the A's specifically. Kind of like a Brent Rooker. Uh, started the season extremely hot really good power numbers, but then when he gets cold and the strikeout rate gets too high, which that is a bit of a problem for him, there's going to be weeks at a time or a month at a time where he really, really struggles, and you're not going to want to roster him anymore. And then somebody else is going to pick him up, and he's going to get hot for a few weeks. That's kind of how I view him, is like he can be a useful player, but he's not someone that I think I would just hitch my wagon to long term.
1: Yeah, I, I so between Kerry Carpenter and Zach, I, I think I'm more of a – Drink at the bar also with Kerry, and I agree with Galoff. I, I think that uh, the production has been actually really incredible. You could argue he's been the best, you know, hottest kind of off the waiver wire type player right now. But um, between the two of them, I think that I kind of view them the same as far as the production they put out there currently. Uh, but I think Kerry Carpenter is going to be there to stay a little longer. I am not as confident in Geloff for that exact reason. I also don't like the fact that, that Geloff doesn't really have a lot of pieces around him. Versus Carpenter, you're starting to see some pieces kind of in the Detroit system uh, learning to hit and, and producing. And I, I think that that could actually be a decent team in the near future. So um, that's kind of my view between those two. How about Haas Young-Kim?
0: I'm very in on Haas Young Kim. Um, he's probably having his career best season will be right now. So I don't know that it'll be as good next year, but for the rest of the year, man, he's he's one of the top four players in the National League in, in war right now. I know that's not a fantasy baseball stat. Um, but he just he does a lot of things well. And one thing that I have noticed, if you look at the second base position specifically and kind of the middle infielders, that is like the one position where if you don't have like great barrel rates and exit velocities and stuff like that, it just hasn't seemed to matter. Like you look at some of the guys who are producing Zach Neto, Haas young Kim. Um, there've been a lot of guys like this in the past, CJ Abrams a bit, even when he was hot, not like big barrel rates, not big exit velocities. Maybe that caps the ceiling for what some of those players are and can be a uh, Tyro Estrada goes in this column too, but they produce at a high level. They get a lot of at bats. They bat toward the top. They get steals. They do a lot of things well for you that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very in on Haas young Kim. He's the type of glue guy that helps win you fantasy leagues.
1: I, I got Kim at the bar as well. I think he stays. I, I like the fact that he has, he's shown some pop this year that uh, maybe we haven't seen in past years. And then to pair with that, the speed too. I mean, he could be a potential 25, 25 kind of guy, I feel like, and um, definitely more on the, the lower end for the home runs. And he could be a 2030 very easily this year. So um, yeah, I, I kind of have to agree on that. I think Kim is showing some serious signs of being a valuable asset um long term, I don't know, but in the short term, probably next year too. I, I think he's the kind of guy I'd buy. Um Jamer Condelario.
0: okay, definitely want him for the rest of this season. It's clear this is just like his year. I still don't know that I'm fully buying in next year. Like this guy to me feels like and it's actually on the same team now that he got traded over. He feels like Ian Happ to me. Now, very different in how they get it done, the hitter profile, uh, the positions that they play, but uh, just in terms of following the story of this player who Ian Happ last year in a lot of leagues was ranked like a top 50 player, he just produced, had a ton of total numbers that came together, and then this year he came back down to being more of like a a, a league average above league average player, which is still fine, so there's still going to be value there for jamer candelario next year but i I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to where it is once again this season
1: yeah i kind of got to agree it's weird because i i kind of felt differently when he first was acquired by the cubs i think it was just strictly his hot streak but if you look at his whole body of work uh the consistency is something that's been a bit of an issue um and i don't know I, i think if he's not able to produce consistently at wrigley then that's a little concerning to me down the road as well. So I think he's more of a quick drink at the bar, maybe a shot at the bar and and hops out. That, that's kind of how I see him. We got two more of these. Uh, Jake Berger. This is a name that Derek and I have both liked over the past couple of years. Is he officially staying at the bar, Derek? Dude, I, I am so lost with Jake Berger because everything
0: about going to that park in Miami – should have been, oh, this is worse. This is worse for him. But here's the thing I think that we've learned from Jake Berger and Jorge Soler. Both those guys don't just hit home runs. They they don't hit wall scrapers. They mash home runs. When they get a hold of one, it's going 420. It's going 450, right? And so at that point, it doesn't matter what ballpark you're in. If if you're someone who does hit like wall scraper home runs, then it does matter. But at that point, it doesn't matter. And so all that matters is now he's getting more playing time and now he's going to hit more in the heart of the lineup for the Marlins. So yeah, I'm, I'm very in on Jake Berger.
1: I think he stays at the bar. I, his man, I look at baseball savant and that guy, he blows the cover off the ball. Like you said, and um, I think you and I kind of both anticipated this and we both poorly timed, you know, ownership of him. This might be the time to own him because it seems like he's comfortable with the offense around him. I think the addition of Miami, I felt the same way. I dropped him. And probably the worst drop, in my opinion, of the season in our league because I I have a feeling that he's just going to go on a tear from this point. And the thing that's the biggest sign for me, even though he's not necessarily hitting as many bombs with Miami right now, man, he is starting to just hit doubles down the line. He's shooting the gaps like he is hitting the baseball. That's all that matters to me. Like he's making hard contact and he's putting the ball in play. And um, that's something he wasn't necessarily doing consistently with Chicago. Uh, The final one we got for the welcome to the bar segment, JP France pitcher for the Houston Astros. Yeah, I'm in on France
0: in in our league specifically. I'm I'm a little more out because we we do have uh, some K per nine stuff in there that that makes it a little bit tougher for him. Um, if you're in a standard league, if you're in a five by five or six by six, definitely in on because the K per nine doesn't matter as much. He's got a good ERA, controls the ball well. He's got a bunch of different pitches. Some of the stuff numbers really like what he's been able to produce. I actually am kind of in on JP France in certain formats, and when you look at the Astros too. Um, they've just kind of continued to produce good pitchers. So it was nice to see what he did this year, but maybe that gives you hope that there's even more kind of, uh, of an elevation that he can take next season.
1: I think there's steps in the rotation for the Astros they can take to, to keeping him there, solidifying the rotation. Um, I think he's there to stay. Uh, The ERA has been incredible. It's been sub two over the last month. Um, He's kind of been a guy that every time you stream him, it seems like you get kind of a a consistent performance from him. You kind of know what to expect. Um, and I, I'm in on him. I, I don't know if I'm drafting him, you know, top 100 next year, obviously. But, like, I think that he's got some future value, actually. I really do. So I'm curious to watch his progression. Uh, but the Astros have this tendency to – kind of get guys like, let's for, not forget, Framber Valdez at one point. We were laughing about the name Framber Valdez. Where did this kim come from? And all of a sudden now, you know, I know he's had a bit of a down year for him, but he's consistently been one of the best pitchers. He's a quality start, like, God at this point. So um, you never know. The Astros seem to produce uh, when it comes to starting pitchers. Real quickly, our What Happened segment, uh, courtesy of James Drose, uh the famous What Happened. Uh, we're going to try that. And uh, we got 10 players. And essentially, Derek, um, you tell me yes or no. Yes, are they going to come back? Are they going to make a turnaround? No, they're not. It's real quick because what happened to 2023, we don't know. Uh, Trey Turner, is he coming back? Yes or no?
0: To what he was last year, no, slightly better than this year, though.
1: I agree. I think he's, uh, yes, he's going to get better numbers than this year. But no, he's not going to be the same player that he was in the past xander bogarts
0: i think no uh, i think the power sucked out not being in fenway uh and I, I think a lot of the other stuff is actually the same some of this writing on the wall was at the end of his uh career in boston so i'm gonna say no
1: i know as well this is a terrible contract for the padres don't know what they were doing extending him to this length and uh yeah they're gonna really regret this contract it's gonna be one of the worst in baseball jazz chisholm
0: so, I'm actually kind of out on Jazz Chisholm. And this goes in line with like the Eloy Jimenez's of the world. I don't love having guys who always get injured. I also think that Jazz, maybe a little bit overrated, like he's going to hit low 200s, not going to help you in average. He's going to have a 290, 300 OBP, not going to help you in OBP. He isn't going to help you in home runs and seals. If you're in a classic five by five format, still has a ton of value because home runs and seals is two fifths of the hitting category. So, yes, in a deeper league, in our league, injuries too. Eh, I, I don't know. I'm kinda out.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, I'm not out completely. I'm I'm a yes because I think his production will be better than what we've seen over the last few years. I think he has the capabilities to go 30 30, but also it could be 30 30 with a 220 average. So yeah. take that for what you will. Um, how about none other than George Springer, the World Series MVP of 2017?
0: Yeah, and to be clear, like if you give me jazz with like pick two hundred and a drop after like 150 i'm like of course i just mean right. like on on current value right. um george springer I'm, I'm kind of in on um i like some of the peripheral numbers and you know the, the chase rate and the, the swinging outside the zone and stuff some of the stuff is still there he's a good peripheral hitter you always have to worry about some injuries with him but uh i i think he'll bounce back next season
1: i actually think i'm out uh for the injury purposes i think he's getting older progressively um i haven't loved to stay in toronto by any means as far as Uh, consistency goes and uh, as we kind of turn our attention to younger players too that might be part of the reason why uh, I'm actually out on him and uh, don't love the slugging that he's been putting up by any means Uh, I think that's my biggest concern and and of course injuries uh, he just can't seem to stay healthy um Teoscar Hernandez
0: I am a wait and see I want to see who he signs with if he's in a good hitters
1: park I'm in if he's in a bad hitters park I'm out I'm in. Uh, His recent hot streak indicates to me he's still got something left in the tank. Uh, I think Seattle is a pretty terrible place for a hitter to go. I agree with you. I think that it can't get much worse for him as far as location. My guess is he's going to end up in a team that's going to be a little more hitter-friendly for him. Uh, Andres Jimenez. Oh, man. I had Jimenez last year in his great year, and then I
0: I shipped him off this year because things have not gone as well. Um. I think he'll be better than he was this year. I don't think he'll have as slow of a start as he had this year. I think last year we're going to look back and that's going to be a career year where it's like, wow, Andres Menez hit 300 and he had all this power and stuff. I think he's probably closer to playing to like a 250, 260 average, uh, kind of being a low 300 OBP guy, solid steals. Like he's a solid player to have, but I'm out on him ever probably being in that like top
1: 100 range again. Yeah, I completely echo that. He was pre-ranked, by the way, in the top 70 this year for Yahoo rankings. That is unbelievable. I'm out on him. Uh, I think he's going to be more of just kind of your basic, yeah, 260, 270 hitter at max. And um, the pop, I think, was maybe a single season kind of thing. Uh, How about Aaron Nola? I think I'm still in on Nola. He's a
0: free agent. So we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, if he ends up going to like a pitcher's park or something, that'd be great because Philadelphia is not necessarily great for that. He's, he is kind of a command guy, as much as we think of Aaron Nola when he came up as being this like crazy stuff, he is a really good command guy. And typically the command will be year to year um, for that type of stuff for, for a guy like that. When you do control it that well, like when you're the upper echelon of elite commanding it, with we- which he typically has, you're going to have that. So I think that'll age well to a certain standpoint for him. And also again, the, the hitters ballpark thing.
1: I think I'm out on Aaron Ola. I I, over the last couple of years, I haven't really felt particularly confident in his uh, overall peripheral numbers. I think that the strikeouts will remain. So if you're in a caper nine, um, or if obviously strikeouts are something you're targeting, sure. You've got some value there, but overall numbers, I don't see the ERA dropping really at this point. Uh, below four anytime in the near future for his career. It's just kind of where he sticks at, and um, I don't love. I don't know. There, there was something about that World Series for him too, and and the overall postseason, he would, wasn't totally himself. I felt like uh, down the stretch, and so I don't know if that did anything. I wonder if uh, maybe less time off did something to him. But he just he's not a fantasy player that I trust this year, and and he hasn't really put it together by any means this year too. Believe it or not, he was a top. 75 pitcher uh this year so i just don't see him returning to that kind of stature uh dylan cease um i kind of am out on for next season
0: because i think he's going to get a lot of losses i think the white Sox are going to be kind of bad next season the walk numbers scare me that if he ever does lose even a tick on his stuff that the rest of it could go poof pretty fast but I guess if, if you told me he got traded in the offseason to like the Dodgers or some good organization, I'd be back in.
1: Yeah, I'm in just based off the recent resume. But, uh, you know, same reasoning as you. I don't like him being on the White Sox at all. And if he starts the year with the White Sox, I have a lot of concerns. And um, that's when you maybe try to dish him at that point in time. Uh, one final one for you, Christian Javier so javier's
0: stuff and his fastball velocity has gone down a tick this year to where it just doesn't look the same i don't know if there's like an injury that he's been kind of dealing with and maybe has has kind of pitched through it here or what the deal is but he is not nearly the same and you look at some of the stuff numbers they're vastly different from where they were a season ago to where they are now to where i am kind of out and i'm wondering if he is on some sort of decline, but if we find out in the, you know, after the year that he was pitching through something, then I'll, I'll probably be back in again.
1: Remember this segment's called what happened. And I don't think there's a player I could ask that question anymore about than Christian Javier. Uh, you go from a guy that I felt like was on a great upward trajectory to all of a sudden I'm out too. Um, I, I This is a crazy turn uh, that I didn't see coming. It kind of gives me a scare of what we saw from like Alec Manoa earlier this year. Not that dramatic, of course, not that dramatic, but um I get a little concerned with young pitchers that uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they get from go from kind of being dominant on the Hill to uh, really struggling and seeing the turnaround. It's not easy for young pitchers either. So um, I think I'm out. I I I don't know how confident I am in his capabilities and he isn't really put together consecutive solid starts all year. So that's been a bit of a concern. Well, with that being said, Derek, that will wrap up our show. Uh, Needless to say, Weird times for us in fantasy baseball. Uh, Obviously next year, uh, I think we got some more to look forward to as well. Any final thoughts from this episode?
0: No, enjoy. If you're in the playoffs in any of your head-to-head leagues, enjoy it. If you're coming down the stretch in a Roto League, enjoy it. Just know this is all fun and uh, try to have fun with it.
1: This is all fun. This is, that's that's the key. Aren't we having Uh, fun? If you're having fun, great. If you're not, that's why you drink. That's why this is booze and baseball. So (laughs) on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again in two weeks. We will talk to you then. Good luck in your playoffs. Cheers.